What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the How to Vegan podcast. My name is Kristen Pound. I'm the host of this podcast. And as always, I'm super glad you're listening. I'm so glad. I hope you've been having a good day so far. And yeah, this is going to be a really great episode full of lots of juicy knowledge, full of lots of in-depth research that I've been doing for you guys over the past couple of weeks. And I'm really, really excited to share this with you guys because it's been a topic of controversy lately for sure, whether the Impossible Burger is truly vegan or not. So we're going to be getting into that today in today's episode. And like I said, I'm, I'm just really excited to share everything that I've learned with you guys. If you haven't checked out the Instagram account yet for the podcast, then pop on over and check that out. It's just how to vegan podcast on Instagram. Give me a little follow. Say what's up if you'd like to. And if you're interested in helping me promote the podcast at all, or if you want to share this with your friends and your family and your followers, then take a little screenshot of you listening to the podcast on your phone, whichever platform you're listening to it on, and share it to your Instagram story. Tag Kristen Pound, my personal YouTube account, and the How to Vegan podcast account, and I'll probably share it because I love when you guys share the podcast with your friends. So taking a little screenshot and sharing it is just a simple and quick way for you guys to help spread the word about the podcast. And if this is your first time tuning into the How to Vegan podcast, then go make sure you're subscribed or following the podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. So whether you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, the podcast is in a lot of places, you guys, then go make sure you're subscribed or following so you don't miss when I release a new episode. And if you ever just need a jumping off point and can't remember where to go to find the podcast, or if you want to share it with someone, you can just head to my website, kristenpound.com, click on the podcast tab, and you'll find everything that you need there. Or you can just type www.kristenpound.com forward slash podcast. And it's Kristen with an E-N, not an I-N. Ian. <laughs> I will definitely leave links for everything down below. So if you need if you need that, then go find the show notes or the description wherever you're listening on. It kind of depends. But kristenpound.com, you'll be able to find everything that you need there. And if you'd like to support the podcast for free, then click on the Amazon link in the description slash show notes. Anytime you go to shop on Amazon, use that link and whatever you purchase through that little link, then they'll kick me back like a small little teeny percentage of whatever you buy. So it's just a nice, easy way to support the podcast for free. If you're interested in doing that, there will just be a link in the description that you can click on. Very simple. And if you really, really love the podcast, then please head on over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It really helps push the podcast up so more people see it and it lets other people know that people like listening to this podcast. So that would be awesome if you guys listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It should be super simple to just click a little rating and leave a review. So I really, really appreciate anybody who has done that so far. Y'all are amazing. Oh, and don't forget to share this episode with anybody who you think might be interested in this information. You can just share the link, share it to your social media accounts, and let people know that this information is out there if they're ever interested in listening to it. And it doesn't have to be this episode. I've got lots of episodes targeted on specific topics. So, you know, if you ever have somebody say, hey, why don't you eat backyard eggs or why don't vegans eat eggs? You can direct them to my what's the deal with eggs episode. And then that way they can hear it coming from someone else, a certified health coach, someone who does this for a living versus, 
yourself, which I know for me, when I first was going vegan, people asked me questions. It was kind of hard to explain and it was better to just kind of have them hear the information from somebody else. So go ahead, share these episodes with anybody that might be looking for this kind of information. The podcast is just a really non-judgmental, safe space. So you'll hear my opinion, but I'm not being super pushy about it. So feel free to share this episode or any other episodes with anyone that might enjoy them. Alrighty, so now let's just get into today's topic. Question, is the Impossible Burger vegan? This has been a hot topic lately. Like I said, it's been one of controversy, and we're going to talk about all of that here. Kind of one of the main reasons that it's been a little bit more in the news lately is that Burger King released the Impossible Whopper at all of its locations in the U.S. last week. So, A lot of people were going and trying it, and then some people were receiving backlash from vegans saying it's not actually vegan. They did some animal testing, and we're not going to support it. And at first, when I first heard that, I was just like, no, if they did animal testing, I don't want to support that. There's other options out there. I'm not cool with that. So I totally understand that reaction of being like, no, that does not seem cool. But I went ahead and did a lot of research and really dug into this topic to figure out what really happened and if I support the company or if I don't. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you guys here today. So that Impossible Whopper kind of like kicked this off for me. I had heard some controversy about it before, but I had never really encountered the Impossible 2.0 patty, which is what's on the Whopper. So I never really like had to look into it myself. So I finally did because last week I released on my Kristen Pound YouTube channel, I released a video reviewing the Impossible Whopper from Burger King. So if you're interested in watching that video, I will leave a link in the show notes. But if you just go to YouTube and type in Kristen Pound, then you will find it. It's the most recent video I did, or you can type in Kristen Pound Impossible Whopper and you should find the video pretty easily that way. But I went into some detail there, kind of talking about my opinion on the whole thing. And I promised a podcast episode that would go into a lot more detail about the study itself, why they decided to do it, and kind of my opinion on it. And so that's what I'm going to be sharing with you guys today. So again, if you want to watch that review taste test video that I did for the Impossible Whopper, then go check that out because it's a pretty, it's a pretty fun video and you kind of get an idea of what I thought about the burger, because I'm not going to talk too much about the health or the taste or anything like that of the Whopper or the burger itself in this in this video. This is more just kind of talking about the controversy and answering the question, is the Impossible Burger vegan? So is it vegan? Well, the ingredients are definitely 100% vegan. There is nothing in the burger that is derived from an animal, is an animal product, nothing like that. It's 100% vegan and it's gluten-free. This new Impossible Patty 2.0 is gluten-free. The the one previously wasn't gluten-free, but for those of you who have a gluten sensitivity or celiacs or anything like that, this new one is gluten-free. They formulated it that way, which I think is really, really awesome. And Impossible Foods said that by April of 2019 that everybody should be switched over to the new 2.0 Patty. So, all of them should be gluten-free at this point, which again, I think is really cool that they eliminated that because that's a lot of people don't eat gluten. And if you're vegan, that can make it kind of hard. So I, th- I'm, I'm, I think it's great that they formulated it to, to not include gluten. But yes, the ingredients are totally 100% vegan. It's a completely vegan 
Patty. But where the controversy comes in is around the specific new compound or molecule that Impossible Foods came up with to mimic the taste, flavor, smell of meat in their patties. So after a ton of research and studies and testing new products and foods, Impossible Foods realized that heme is what makes meat taste, smell, and have like a similar texture to meat. And we've been consuming heme every day for hundreds of thousands of years. Heme is in everything living. Impossible Foods just discovered that that's what actually makes meat taste like meat. So you might be wondering, what is heme? Well, heme is an iron-containing compound found in all living organisms. So whether it's plants, animals, bacteria... If it's alive, it contains heme, and heme is an important part of the protein hemoglobin, and it pretty much carries around the oxygen in your blood. It's what makes your blood red. So you know how, like, your mouth tastes slightly metallic when you accidentally bite your lip? That's heme that you're tasting, and that's what Impossible Foods realized is what makes meat taste like meat. So plants do have heme. It still carries oxygen, it's just not via blood. And meat, animal meat, contains heme in much larger quantities than any vegetables. So that's where kind of the issue started coming in was, well, we know that this is what makes meat taste like meat. How do we get that in large quantities into our burger patty? So what Impossible Foods did is they came up with this new key ingredient in their burgers called soy like hemoglobin which is actually just soy legume hemoglobin. So it's heme, the same oxygen-containing, oxygen-carrying compound from the root of soy plants. And they used yeast and found a way to ferment it and multiply it so that it can mimic these larger quantities like you find in animal meat. So they have now found a way to produce this compound in large quantities, and they finally have a way to kind of make a burger patty that really mimics all of the things that meat does, which is their goal. They really, really want to start targeting meat eaters, the general public. They don't want to make burgers for vegans and vegetarians, although we're still going to eat it, we're still going to love it, but they're really wanting to target people who are never just going to give up meat on their own or for ethical reasons, but might want to you know, sometimes have a burger that isn't made from animals. And if it tastes, smells, feels like meat, the entire sensory experience is similar to eating meat, then some of these meat eaters might opt for that option. If not all of the time, at least hopefully maybe sometimes. And that's really impossible food's goal with all of this is to make this a global movement of shifting how our meat is made from making our meat from animals, having to slaughter innocent animals who were bred and raised only to be killed for their meat, for their flesh to be eaten by humans who don't even need it. They really want to overturn and disrupt the global food system so that people can start enjoying those same types of products so they don't have to give that up because there's a lot of people who will blatantly say, I don't care what happens to these animals, I just wanna eat a burger. And if that is you, that is your choice. I'm just here to educate people. That's what I always say. Like, listen to what I have to say, do your own research, and then make your own decision. So I'm never going to say, oh, people are going to go vegan after having the Impossible Whopper. They're only going to have that. Or you should because you're a bad person if you don't go vegan or eat less meat because that's your decision. And there are some people who are just not ever going to stop eating animal products unless they have a viable substitution, something that really doesn't make them feel like they're missing out on the foods 
that they enjoy. And so Impossible Foods is really, really committed to to doing that. And that's where this kind of invention of the soy like hemoglobin comes into play because they created this new compound that really mimics everything that meat does. And it's in this new burger. And in order to make sure the burger was safe for human consumption, guess what you have to do? You have to make sure that the FDA says that it's safe for human consumption. And there's a process that comes with that. So I'm going to kind of talk about that a little bit here and why Impossible Foods made the decision, ultimately made this decision to do animal testing, to do something that harmed animals with them knowing about it. And a lot of people say the testing was not mandatory. No, they it was not. They did not have to do it. But there are reasons why they did it. And I'm going to get into that here in just a second. Okay, so once you create this new food, have this new food item that you want to put out for people to consume and for people to buy, you have to have the FDA approve it on some level. And so Impossible Foods submitted the information, these studies they did, saying that there's no adverse effects that should be known because heme is in everything, we consume it all of the time, and there should be no known adverse effects. And that was in back in 2014, and the FDA came back saying that they had some questions, that they still wanted to know more. And for companies like Impossible Foods, who are really wanting to expand and expand globally, they really wanted to get a generally recognized as safe notification from the FDA, which is also known as the GRAS, generally recognized as safe notification. So without this notification, without the GRAS notification, they would still be able to sell their product, but some large chains and several foreign countries won't sell it without the GRAS notification, which unfortunately requires a rat feeding study. That's just the standard in the FDA practice to receive this no questions letter, which pretty much says we do agree that this is generally recognized and safe as safe and good to go for public consumption overseas and with large retailers. And a lot of people say, well, these these tests aren't really necessary. These these tests are kind of discretionary. And some people have been painting that picture. But in fact, the FDA really does appear to require animal tests of any company that wishes to receive explicit acknowledgement from the FDA that its new ingredient is safe. Like I said, this is called a no questions letter. So it's really, really important to get this because if you don't get this in the future, the FDA could come down on you and say, you know, this was not approved by us and they could end up kind of shutting down the company or destroying it in some sort of way. So this letter from the FDA is super, super important for anybody, especially wanting to disrupt the global food chain. And their goal is really less animals in the food chain. Their goal is the same as any other vegans or vegetarians. They just unfortunately had to do a really shitty thing in order to kind of make their long-term goal a reality. So yeah, like I said, later the FDA could just find that a company's products were adulterated and this would cause all of the products to be pulled from the shelves and sale prohibited, which again, that's not really something that is beneficial to helping the animals at all. So it sounds like eventually, no matter what, because this soy leg hemoglobin was a new 
kind of food product that there at some point was going to have to be some animal testing that had to be done because that is just what the FDA requires. That's just how it how it is. And that's a bummer. I just that's the main thing that I think we need to be focusing on is changing the system, changing the fact that in order to make sure something is safe, we feed it to a bunch of rats, which are not even similar biologically to our bodies and how they're set up. So the whole thing is just really unfortunate that to know that any new food product has to be tested on animals is such a bummer, but it is the reality. Another reality is that every new food ingredient for which a company receives a no questions letter will have gone through animal tests. There are no exceptions, at least none that I could find out there. So the list of new food ingredients that have already been tested on animals and that pretty much every person consumes is is actually really long and includes foods that you probably consume as well or have consumed. So things like rice protein, pea protein concentrate, oat protein, and hundreds of other ingredients that are super common in plant-based foods, those have all been tested on animals in the past. Because again, it's like a new food product that comes into the system and the FDA requires animal testing. So there's so many things out there. I, I'll include a list so that you guys can see all of the foods that have been um, generally recognized as safe or has got have gotten that notification because it was mind blowing. I was like, wow, uh, a lot of these foods that I know that I eat and a lot of vegans eat have actually been tested on animals. So keep that in mind as well, that a lot of the stuff that you are eating now probably at some point was tested on animals, which is super similar to pharmaceuticals. Every single prescription drug has been extensively tested on animals. Asthma inhalers, statins, Prozac, my epilepsy medication that I'm on, everything, everything has been tested on animals, as has every other pharmaceutical from aspirin to ibuprofen. So it really is hard to be perfect. And for me, this is an issue of not being perfect, but about really striving to do your best. And I, I I really do feel like Impossible Foods has done that, has really made a decision where they felt they were doing the best thing for the long term. So now you know that the, the test really was not 100% necessary. Like they didn't have to do it. But in order to get their product to be generally recognized as safe, especially overseas and for large retailers, it was something that they felt that they really needed to do. And like I said, they got a lot of backlash for this. Like when they first, when this first came out that they had done animal testing on this new food product, people were pissed. And I remember people talking about it in my How to Vegan Facebook group and, you know, people saying, this isn't vegan. I'm not going to support this company. How horrible. And I mean, it's true. You hear animal testing, voluntary animal testing, and it sounds awful. But in 2017, Pat Brown, who is the CEO and founder of Impossible Foods, published this letter to the public. And I'm not going to read the whole thing in its entirety, but I am going to read kind of the main points of it so that you can understand from his words why they chose to do it and where they're kind of coming from. And I thought this would just be really helpful instead of me kind of trying to paraphrase so that you can hear it in his own words because they're pretty powerful. To our community, the core of Impossible Foods mission is to eliminate exploitation of animals in the food system and to reduce the enormous destructive impact of the animal farming and fishing industries on the environment, including wildlife and the ecosystems they depend on. The billions of people around the world who love meat and fish and dairy foods will not be persuaded to stop consuming these foods by pleading or arguing or encouraging them to try a plant-based diet. 
that's been tried, and the demand for these foods is actually increasing faster than population growth. And none of the vegan products on the market that purport to be substitutes for meat have had a meaningful impact on the demand for meat from animals. Vegans and vegetarians may love them, but meat lovers shun them. Impossible Foods believes that the solution is to create meat that delivers the tastes, aromas, textures, and juiciness of meat without compromise, but do it without using animals directly from plants. With heme, we can create meats that hardcore meat lovers can't recognize as anything other than meat. Half of the meat lovers who taste it in blind tastings not only believe it's meat from a cow, but actually prefer it to meat from a cow. This is a huge scientific breakthrough that will transform the global food system by enabling us to make the meat that meat lovers crave without using animals. You can't make meat without heme. But if we can make heme without using animals, then we don't need animals to make meat. Although our heme is completely identical to the heme in animal meat and the heme in your blood, it is made a new way. So we wanted to show consumers and the agencies that regulate food ingredients, the FDA and its counterparts in other countries, that our heme is completely safe for human consumption. I personally abhor the exploitation of animals, not only in the food system, but in testing and research. In my three-decade career in biomedical research, I always avoided using animals in experiments and developed new experimental methods to eliminate the incentive for using them. And I have been a vegetarian for more than 40 years and have totally avoided animal products for the last 14 years. But we were confronted with an agonizing dilemma. We knew from our research that heme is absolutely essential to the sensory experience meat lovers crave. Replacing animals in the diets of meat lovers would absolutely require heme. So without the rat testing, our mission and the future of billions of animals whose future depends on its success was thwarted. We chose the least objectionable of the two choices available to us. We designed the study rigorously so it would never have to be done again. We used the minimum number of rats necessary for statistically valid results. Before conducting our rat test, we carefully screened testing companies and selected the one with the most humane practices. We sought advice from many sources to make sure we chose the testing lab with the best record for humane practices and carefully specified the most humane handling, testing, and housing practices available without compromising the test. There were zero adverse effects from consumption of like hemoglobin even at levels vastly greater than any human would ever consume. Nobody is more committed or working harder to eliminate exploitation of animals than impossible foods. Avoiding the dilemma was not an option. We made the choice that anyone who sincerely cares about reducing suffering and exploitation of animals should make. We hope we will never have to face such a choice again, but choosing the option that advances the greater good is more important to us than ideological purity. Pat O. Brown, CEO and founder of Impossible Foods. So that kind of just explains it all for me. I mean, I pretty much could have just started the podcast, read that letter and peaced out, but want to give you guys some more information than that. So as you can kind of see, this is just not a black and white issue. There is a lot of middle ground. There's a lot of gray area that just, it's really hard to decipher and it's really hard to understand. It's hard to know how I feel. I kind of have gone back and forth on the issue a lot, but, but as you guys can see, Impossible Foods and, and the CEO and founder, Pat Brown himself, it, it wasn't an easy decision. They weren't like, sweet, we don't have to do this testing. Let's just do it. In this letter, when he wrote it, he had been vegan for the last 14 years. It's been two years since then. So over 15 years. And you can tell it was an agonizing decision. Like he says, I mean, that isn't hard for anybody, especially when you know that everyone's going to find out that you did animal testing. It's not an easy decision, and I think that that letter kind of explains really well why they why they did it. 
And I will definitely leave a link to that letter if you're interested in reading the entirety of it in the show notes and description for you. Another statement from Impossible Foods about the issue that I wanted to kind of read was this. We hope we never have to conduct additional tests on animals, but if we are forced to make a choice between animal testing altogether and conducting a laboratory test that will help save the lives of millions more wild and domestic animals, we will do what is best for animal welfare and the world. So for me, I can totally see why they made this decision. It was a decision that was made for the for the good of of society and animals in the long term. And Impossible Foods really cares about our planet, our environment, and the animals. They're really ethically and morally involved and invested in their company in that in that sort of way. And so that is really their goal. Like that letter kind of said, their goal is to eliminate animal cruelty. It just sucks that on the way to that, they had to sacrifice some animals in order for the greater good of millions and millions more animals and so much better for our planet in the long run. So I can personally see why they made that decision. I think it sucks. I think it's awful that animals had to be harmed. The thought of one animal being harmed makes me emotionally upset. I'm not into that at all, but I can definitely see why they chose to make that decision. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about the actual testing itself because I know that some of you are probably curious at like what actually went down and how many rats were involved. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit here so that you aren't just wondering what what went down. So they only did one test and they do not plan on doing any more tests in the future. So the testing involved 188 rats and they did both 14 and 28 day studies, oral toxicity studies on these rats. And that's like kind of an equivalent of like two to five years. 28 day studies are about three to five years in human years. So that's why they do testing on rats is because they don't live as long. So they can test years of research on just like a few days of study relatively. Like he said in that letter, they found the most humane lab they could, and they even consulted with PETA about the testing, you know, to try to find the best labs, the most humane practices. They really tried to do their very best when it came to the actual testing. So pretty much what happened is they fed the rats the soylic hemoglobin in amounts way larger than any human would ever would it ever consume and that's usually what they do is they give it a bunch a bunch of this food that they're testing and then kill them. So unfortunately, all of these rats were killed at the end of testing and they were cut open and they were checked to see if there were any adverse effects, which again, again, it just bums me out. It just bums me out that 188 rats had to be killed. 188 little souls had to be killed in order to make sure that this was safe for humans. And I, I, I think this is an FDA issue. I think it's an issue with the system. I think that's what we need to be focusing on changing because it doesn't sound really like Impossible Foods had much of a choice at the end of the day. And they really did try to do their best when it came to the animal testing. And I know there really is no humane way to kill an animal. So I know there's that argument as well where, you know, even with pasture-raised beef and humane farms, it's like, well, that animal still died. And that's not humane no matter what. But if you kind of put it in perspective and really think about 188 rats and, and what that could mean for the future of food, it starts to feel like it's a little more worth it and a little more understandable. So yeah, to kind of put it in perspective, in the United States alone, approximately 9 billion chickens are killed for their flesh each year. 9 billion. And if we kind of, again, put things in perspective and kind of 
relate cows to rats. Say, if 188 rats died to produce the Impossible Burger, well, if the burger could save 188 cows, then it's neutral. It wouldn't be like a positive or a net negative. But if you guys are aware, this is going to save so many more cows than 188 of them. There's probably been already that many saved because of people eating the Impossible Burger. So in the end, it's going to be a net positive gain. And it really is super popular among meat eaters. So it's going to keep growing and it's going to keep changing. And so many more animal lives, cows, are going to be saved because of those 188 rats that, that were sacrificed. And it does feel like that to me. It feels like, okay, that is a bummer, but it was a sacrifice that really is going to change the food system and it's going to make such a big impact. And I think it is, I think it was worth it. I, I really, in my opinion and the way that I deep down feel, I feel like it was, I would have probably done the exact same thing. Would I have been stoked on it? No, but it's a really hard decision. And like I said, it isn't black and white, but I do feel like that's probably, if I looked at the bigger picture and realized, well, this is our goal. It's almost like the two steps forward, one step back. I, I feel like we're making progress, even though there are some minor setbacks that happen. And this is a this is a shitty thing that had to happen in order for us to move forward, to make progress, to really do something about the crisis in our food system right now. Another thing is that the testing has already happened. Not eating the Impossible Burger isn't going to help the rats who have already died. Really, no further harm can be done to them. Just the same as if you eat like pea protein, another ingredient that's already been tested on animals, that testing has already been done. You're not further inflicting harm. They're not gonna continue doing testing. They've done the testing for this soil hemoglobin. It's good to go. And you not supporting this company isn't gonna help them save any more animals. You supporting this company is going to help save more animals. That's kind of how I look at it, especially if you're a meat eater. Choosing an impossible patty or an impossible burger over a meat burger makes a huge difference. It makes a huge impact. And I think that, again, looking at the long term, I think it was a good decision. And, and looking towards the future, lots of positive change can and will come about because of more options like the Impossible Patty. And that means, guess what? There's probably going to be other vegan companies who have to test some sort of new compound on animals unless the FDA changes its rules on the animal testing shit, unless they decide, hey, we don't want to put these animals through these rigorous tests. Let's figure out a different way to do this. But for right now, that's just how it is. And in order to get your product out there in a capacity that is going to do some good, then this testing kind of had to get done. So kind of going back to, you know, new food ingredients that have already been tested on animals and how a lot of us really do consume those. One example from that is pea protein isolate. That was definitely 100% once tested on animals. And that is the main ingredient in the Beyond Burger. No, Beyond itself, Beyond Meats did not conduct the testing. But in the past, in order to make sure that was safe, somebody else had done the testing. So Beyond didn't have to because it was already done. Who's to say that if the same kind of thing would have come about, they might have chosen, hey, well, this this product is going to change a lot of people's lives and the way people look at food and meat, so let's do it. But it had already been done in the past. So if you're eating a Beyond Burger, pea protein isolate was tested on animals. So it's kind of it's kind of this, like I said, like I keep saying, it's it's not a black and white issue. There's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of confusion and a lot of back and forth emotions, especially from me, myself. I'm I'm a very moody person and I'm a very emotional person, so I can see all sides of this issue for sure. 
So kind of going back to the main question, is the Impossible Burger vegan? I would say yes, because people say the Beyond Burger is vegan and it has pea protein isolate in it. So are those products not actually vegan? I would say they are, even though a lot of the stuff in them had to be tested on animals in the past in order for them to be recognized as safe. And people want their food to be safe. People want to know that what they're feeding their children and what they're consuming is safe. And I think that there's a lot of people out there who, if there was not that approval from the FDA saying this is safe, I think a lot of people would be very weary of eating the Impossible Patty. So I think that it was a smart decision to get it tested like that. And I think it's vegan. Just like I think the Beyond Burger is vegan, I think the pea protein powder that I use in my smoothies after the gym, I think that's vegan. It was tested on animals in the past, but food additives of any kind, food coloring, all of that stuff was once tested on animals. It's just how the system works. And again, I think that that's what we should focus on changing, not coming down on a company that really is trying to do the best for the animals and for the planet. It, it just really is truly almost impossible to avoid ingredients that have been tested on animals at all. And bottom line, what really needs to change here is the policy on animal testing. It's an extremely cruel and sad business, and we need to figure out something else. Another thing that I wanted to bring up was that it's important to take into consideration that many vegan companies purchase real meat on a regular basis to compare their products with to see if it mimics the taste and texture and smell and all that of the real thing, which is what meat lovers want. People want meat substitutes to be exactly like meat, and then they'll switch over. Then they're more willing to to make that change. So that's really upsetting in many ways, is that a lot of these companies, in order to make sure it's the same, they're buying meat and coming back and comparing them. Or, you know, you'll see a lot of YouTube videos of testing the Impossible Whopper with a regular Whopper, and it'll be on a vegan news-based channel or a vegan-based channel. So this is happening as well. This this isn't just such a clear issue. There's lots of imperfections that happen in the vegan community. It really is hard to be 100% vegan, especially when your car tires, your bike tires have animal products in them. And it's really hard to be 100% vegan. And for me, it's not about perfection. It's about just doing your best to make the world a better place in whatever capacity that means for you. And I feel like Impossible Foods really tried to do what was best for the planet and for the long-term health of the animals and everybody inhabiting this planet. I really think that they try to do do what's best because it is it, it is hard to be to be perfect. And for them, I think they realized that this imperfection, this kind of step backwards was really going to make a difference in the long run. So something else that is kind of unrelated, but kind of related that I wanted to bring up before I kind of wrap up the episode with like kind of my opinion on things and everything like that was the fact that Impossible Foods got caught serving dairy cheese at Expo West in 2019 and they straight up lied about it. And this is something, again, that Impossible Foods have just, has just gotten like harped on and harped on and it's it's not good. I do not think that that is a good thing at all. If you want more information on everything that went down with this, then check out uh, The Vegan Zombie, his channel, his YouTube channel. He has the video of like them actually lying to him at this Expo West. He has a video of him having like a set up organized chat with one of the higher ups at Impossible Foods who tries to explain what happened at all of that. So if you're interested in knowing like the full story, go check out his channel and his videos on that. I'll link those for sure. But apparently what happened 
happened is at Expo West, Impossible Foods had a booth and Expo West is like this huge natural foods expo in California and it's massive and there's lots of new and up and coming products and taste tests of things that aren't even on the market yet. And it's really exciting for vegans because there's so much new vegan food that comes out every year that you get to try before other people do. So Impossible Foods had a booth set up and they had multiple things that you could taste. And one of these things were some meatballs. And the vegan zombie said he heard somebody who worked there say, we've got vegan meatballs, we've got vegan this and that. And so he assumed they were vegan and ate them and then somehow found out that they contained dairy cheese. And he asked about it and they were like, no, that was yesterday and today they're vegan. And then somehow confirmed that that person straight lied to his face and that they did have dairy in them. So apparently Impossible Foods let the chefs at this who are doing this Expo S demo decide how they want to use the product. And they're really all about people using the product in whatever the way they want, as long as they're not using meat. So this chef decided to use dairy cheese in his meatballs, and they should have properly been labeled. These are not vegan or these are vegetarian, but they were not properly labeled. And I think several people ate dairy cheese that day, which is super upsetting. I'd be pissed. Like, I'd be super pissed. I'd be like, I'm sorry, that is not okay. Especially then when they lie to you about it and you can tell they're lying. And then the lady on the phone really just kind of was making excuses and just was like, all I can say is I'm sorry and never really like got fixed. Besides the fact that they say in the future, if that if we have anything that has dairy or animal products in it, we will clearly label it. We're sorry we learned from this are bad. So I wanted to kind of explain what happened with that because there were some people that said, please talk about that in your podcast. And although it's not super related, it's still like kind of another controversy related to impossible foods that I know some people have questioned and have thrown that in with the whole animal testing. I mean, like, they're just not a good company. They lie to people. They test on animals. So I kind of just wanted to give like a brief overview of what happened with that. And I, I totally get it. I get, I get the fact that you want anybody to use your product, but they should have in any way they want, like make meatballs with dairy, make them with eggs. If that, if that's what you want, that's what they want is chefs of, of all diets to, to experiment with this new product. And and so I, I get that, but they should have clearly labeled it. And, the, and they say that from now on at any event or anything like that, they will have clearly marked signs of what is and what isn't vegan. So that's what happened with that. Or I just kind of wanted to let everybody know what happened with that, just in case you had been wondering at all. So to kind of wrap things up, I'm sure you can probably already by now tell what my opinion, what my thoughts are about this issue. And I definitely am on the side of I get it. I get why you did the testing. I think it is really, really important for the future of food and, and the possibility of disrupting the current food system we have, which is just so detrimental to the environment, so awful for the animals who have to endure the suffering in factory farms. And if you aren't 100% sure of what happens in factory farms or how the animal agriculture industry is affecting our planet in such a negative way, then I highly recommend checking out some documentaries like Forks Over Knives, Cowspiracy, Earthlings, Dominion, What the Health. I have a list of a bunch of documentaries in the show notes that I recommend checking out. So if you haven't watched any of those, please go watch them. Please do as much education on this stuff as possible so that you can share this information with others and we can start to make the world a more compassionate passionate place full of full of beings who want to do the best for 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 the for the good of all really for for the long-term health of this planet and so that's that's my opinion I really do understand I I to me the analogy of two steps forward one step back is exactly what happened here and I am probably still going to consume 
the burger not often. Um, it's not the healthiest for you. It's pretty high in fat, high in saturated fat. It's a processed food and I try to eat mostly whole foods, but I think it's such a great option for for people who maybe don't have very many options, there are many Americans who live in food deserts where there's gas stations and fast food restaurants. And if you don't have a car, those are your options. Even if you do have a car, there's some places where that's the options for miles. And so for maybe people who live in areas like that who want to make a difference, who want to start eating more plants instead of animals, there's an option now. And I think it's great for people who are on a road trip and don't have an option. And now there's a viable option for teenagers or who are going out to lunch on their lunch break with their friends. And now they have an option and they can go to Burger King. And I just think it's a step in the right direction. I don't think that supporting Burger King is my favorite thing ever because they do harm a bunch of animals. But so does the grocery store you shop at. Unless you shop at a 100% vegan grocery store, there's going to be animals that are being harmed in the butcher aisle and they're selling animal products everywhere. There's not a ton of vegan stuff in grocery stores unless you're on in the produce aisle or in the bulk aisle. Other than that, a lot of stuff has animal products in it. And for me, I wish I could shop at a vegan grocery store, but I can't. And so I'm ultimately supporting a company who sells animal products. So for those of you who kind of have that argument, that's kind of my counter argument, I guess, or counter comment on that, I guess. I'm not really trying to start an argument, but kind of just my opinion on that is that I wish that everything, every company I could I supported could be a fully vegan company, but that's just not the case yet. I know that like Denver has a vegan grocery store, but even then it wasn't like that big of a grocery store. Or maybe I'm thinking of the one in Portland. I think there's one in Portland too called Nooch. Or maybe the one in Denver is called Nooch. I don't know. Clearly, I don't know. But vegan grocery store, yes, please. I will support that once the prices are affordable enough for me. Um, That was another issue that I noticed when I went to those. I was like, wow, this stuff's really expensive. So I think the more we support these companies that are that are making these moves that are, you know, really trying to provide more options for more people, I think I think it's helpful to support them. Am I going to eat it often? Like I said, probably not. I don't really like fast food. It does not make me feel good. I would rather just eat something at home, but I think there's times where it it will be nice and it's going to come in handy to have to have options like these. Same with the Beyond Burger at Carl's Jr. And Subway is now coming out with Beyond Meatballs in September of 2019, in just about a month. And Del Taco has the Beyond Avocado tacos that are totally vegan. So I think it's great. The companies are expanding. It's really helpful for people who don't have many choices, maybe don't have a lot of time, a lot of money a lot of resources to cook their own food and maybe don't even know how to cook. And so this is just, I think it's a great option. I don't think everybody should be eating one of these every single day, but that's a different, completely different topic. (laughs) I wasn't going to get into the health too much, but that's my opinion on the whole animal testing situation fiasco shit that went down with Impossible Foods. I don't love that it happened, but I understand why. And I honestly, after doing all of this research and spending hours kind of digging into what truly happened and the way they did the test. I mean, I probably would have done the exact same thing because I knew how many animals, how many cows were going to be saved because of this. And that truly means a lot to me. And, And I hope you guys can see that. If you don't agree with me, that is completely fine. I know a lot of vegans who are like, I'm not going to eat that. They test it on animals. I can choose something else. And that you can. You totally can. It's not like it's the only option out there. There's so many other things you can eat. So 
I definitely respect your opinion. I would love to know what you think. If you want to come find this video on YouTube or if you want to come find this on Instagram, um, I'll, I usually do a post per episode and you can just ask me a question. You can send me a DM if you'd like. You can find me on Facebook. Find me any way you want, but let's let's have a conversation. If you have a if you have an opinion on this, I'd love to know what your opinion is. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Why do you have a completely different view on it? Come have a discussion. Let's let's I I really want these episodes to be like jumping off points for a good healthy discussion. So if you have any further questions or anything like that, I think YouTube is probably a good place or on the Instagram video itself. I've also been considering starting a How to Vegan podcast Facebook page, but I already have so many social media pages and stuff like that that I can't decide. But if it might be a good idea. I think Facebook is like growing again. My How to Vegan Facebook group has grown by like 3,000 people in the last two months. So I don't know what's happening with Facebook, but it seems like people are jumping back on it. So I might be starting that as well, where that would be a really good place, I think, to have some nice discussions about each of these episodes. But if you have any questions for me, let me know. I would love to hear your opinion. After you listen to this episode, I would just love to know your thoughts and love to know yeah, if you agree with me or not. So come find this episode. Come find me. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think. So I think that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this was educational, informative. I hope that you kind of gained some insight on these controversies and have like a better feel on what actually went down because the media can really skew things. I mean, man, you just, you look up an article about this and it, depending on what side you, you know, which article you pick, you'll get one of the sides that's just really negative, really positive. So I really hope that this you found this episode helpful in a really kind of like non-biased, non-judgmental, here's the information type of way. And like I always say, I just I just want you guys to make your own decisions and I want to provide you with the information to allow you to do that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was a really fun one to research and put together for you guys. It was really eye-opening for me because at first I was like, oh, hell no. You did animal testing? No, thank you. But the more I looked into it, I really started to kind of change my mind about things. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and make sure to go subscribe to the How to Vegan podcast channel on YouTube and come follow me on Instagram. Again, leave a little review and rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes if you listen there. If you have any ideas for an episode, go leave a comment on one of the YouTube videos or again, find me on Instagram and let me know. I've got a big list of episodes coming up. I have some really, really, really good episodes coming up. I think the next episode might be What's the Deal with Honey? I'm not going to give them away. <laughs> I have lots of good episodes coming up. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following. If you have any ideas, let me know of your idea for an episode and I'll put it on my list. And again, everything I mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes or a description, or you can just head to kristenpound.com, click on the podcast tab, and you'll find everything that you need there. So again, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you have a really, really good day. And I'll just catch you in the next episode of the How to Vegan podcast. Peace. Peace.